Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beauty, Lord, that your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, brings into this world and that the beauty that the sun in the sky this morning is bringing into this place. Thank you, Lord God, for the hope and the peace you have offered us in Jesus Christ. And we pray that that hope and that peace would be revealed in the midst of this service today. Lord, as we're in this season of Lent, this time of introspection, this time of fasting and self-denial, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself profoundly to us, that our faith in you would be restored or that it would be given to us for the first time, Lord God. We pray that you would do your great and mighty work among us this morning. And we pray that you would guide me in my preaching of your word and fill us all with your word that we might be messengers and apostles in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It's great to see you all today. Now, how do you all keep a schedule? Do you have like a day planner you carry around in your pocket or do you use a phone or a tablet? Maybe you carry around your desktop computer. I don't know. Yeah, your head, in your head? Oh my goodness, that is remarkable. I could do that too, and I would never have anything planned because I would forget everything. It would be great, right? And my whole day would be my own. Actually, uh, so I use a phone. I used to use a little day planner thing. The phone has been helpful, but it has its weaknesses, right? Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you lose it. It breaks, all those kinds of things. But the phone or the day planner is really immaterial, right? The having of a schedule can be a really helpful thing. I've had to learn this as I've grown up, right? And now in my old age, I see how important it is to have a schedule, right? How important it is. Because if I don't have a schedule, I can burn a whole day doing nothing. Nothing, like nothing at all. And, and this isn't like a day I should be just burning doing nothing, right? If I don't have an order or a set of priorities for what I need to get done that day, I'll just go through my day and get to the end of it and have kind of nothing to show for it. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> yeah, it's hard, huh? That's fine if you're on vacation or if you're taking a day off, but like if you're having to get things done, that's a hard thing. But a plan allows me to focus and accept things that fit into my plan. It protects me, right? Because it gives me the ability to choose and discern what I'm going to prioritize and to schedule time for other things that I don't have time for that day. Because without a plan, my life can get easily filled up with a lot of things that fill up my time but don't necessarily get me anywhere, right? Or help anybody else or do anything long term to help me out. But even so, even with a schedule, uh, my life is not lived independently, and yours probably isn't either, right? You might set up your schedule, but the challenge is, is other people have schedules too, right? And they have needs, and they have desires, and they have things that need to get done. And so maybe your family, or your church, or your friends, or unplanned circumstances in life encroach on your schedule, and you have to adapt and conform to that. Here, in our gospel passage for today, we get a unique peek into Jesus' day planner. Right? We get to look over his shoulder and see his palm pilot as he's planning his day. Right? Because that's what they had back then were palm pilots. <laughs> now, in the gospel of Luke, which I'm referencing, some Pharisees come to Jesus with a warning. 
The warning is, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, that's a helpful tip, right? Would you want to know if someone was coming to kill you? I guess that doesn't happen to you much, right? Because you haven't thought about this, right? But I would say, yes, generally the answer is, yes, we do want to know. But we don't really know this, what the Pharisees are getting at here. Are they being helpful? Is this a handy tip from your neighborhood Pharisee? who is letting you know that somebody is out for your your hide? Or are they just trying to kind of freak him out so that he'll stop preaching so much and stop saying those things they don't want to hear anymore about repentance and all that kind of stuff? Is this a trick for them to get Jesus out of their hair without having to kill them himself or him themselves? Who knows? We're not entirely sure what their motive is behind it. But regardless, he responds to them very directly and clearly. Go and tell that fox for me. Seems as though they're, he's believing that they're messengers of Herod in some sense, bringing something from him maybe. And so he's like, well, why don't you go tell that guy what I think about him? Now, the use of fox, surprisingly, is not a positive thing in this passage. Right, as opposed to Jimi Hendrix and other people who have used it in different senses, or Roald Dahl's fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, this is a dig at Herod, who was like a fox. Now, when you think of fox, what do you think of? Sly, sly yeah, sly. Cunning, deceptive. Uh, that is not a Hebrew biblical view of foxes. It's kind of interesting. Foxes were instead spoken of as destroyers in the Bible. It's kind of interesting, right? I love the idea of like the way different cultures, literature uses animals, the same animal in different ways. And so the fox was not a cunning creature, but a destroyer, probably like I guess we would think of maybe like a bear or like a, a bull or something in our literature. And so Jesus is saying, go and tell that destroyer for me, that bull or that bear for me. And the context of Jesus' statement that follows that is very interesting. He says, listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I must finish my work. Jesus has a plan. Actually, he's carrying out his father's plan because he tells us in other places that he only does what the father calls him to do. And that plan is casting out demons today and tomorrow and on the third day finishing his work. Now, it could be a throwaway line, or it could actually signify his three-day schedule. But the third day, that's an important day in Christianity, isn't it? Because on the third day was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The day of the resurrection, Easter day. And so it seems as though Jesus is speaking about the plan that God has already set up for him of these couple days which symbolize this time before the resurrection. He's going to be casting out demons and healing. But on the third day, he'll rise again and complete his work. It will be done. It will be finished. Then Jesus says, Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jesus knows the direction of the timeline of his life. He knows where it's heading to. And he knows that Jerusalem is more dangerous for him than Herod is. He knows that he will face his own death there. 
And that even though Herod will mock and scorn him and turn him over to Pilate, that his death is not in the hands of Herod. It is God's plan that Jesus is carrying out. Now he tells us that a prophet, it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Is that true? No, prophets were killed other places in the Old Testament. Um, but it speaks of the irony that the place where one should be most welcome, where a prophet should be most welcome, where it should be the easiest for a prophet to go and have their message heard, is the place that is often uh, the most hard-hearted towards prophets. The one that is seeking to, um, to silence and suppress their message. The place where the prophet should have full voice and opportunity to preach in the temple and proclaim the goodness of God and his, his calls to repentance and all that has often been the place that is most hard-hearted to him. And he knows that it is not city that his own people will ultimately reject and kill him. And then Jesus weeps for the city, kind of like David for Absalom when he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left, is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have here this intimate image of Jesus. Like a hen with her chicks, he wants to protect them and care for them. But they're not willing to be protected and cared for. They won't come under the protection of his wing. They instead want to run out on their own. And so he allows them to deny him. He allows them to go out into that dangerous world on their own without his protection and he'll let them. He'll let them do this until he returns in his glory, where they realize that he is indeed the Lord, and they confess him as their Savior and bless him. Now we see in this passage the schedule of God, right? We've kind of covered that. And we see that God has things in his hand. I mean, he's got this figured out. Uh, circumstances do not surprise him. Jesus doesn't seem shocked that these Pharisees come and tell him that Herod wants to kill him. Right? You and me, that'd throw us off our schedule. Right? We'd be planning you know, evacuation procedures, contacting the police department, whatever we do. But for Jesus, he knows. But he knows that he has a plan that God has given him. And he knows that nothing will distract him from that plan. And we see that his plan is motivated by compassion, like a hen desiring to gather the chicks under her wings. So is Jesus' plan motivated by compassion. He wants to protect and care for his people, and he wants to redeem them. But it's interesting, because from this point on in the Gospel of Luke, the narrative changes. And Jesus goes from speaking to the people, speaking to the crowds, trying to proclaim the message to the nation of Israel, to rather addressing his disciples, to teaching them and raising them up and preparing them so that they can go out and proclaim the good news after his death and his resurrection. 
God has a plan. And Jesus here is carrying it out. We know that that plan would ultimately lead him to Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. There, Jesus would be betrayed by his own. He would be turned over to his enemies, and that Herod, the fox, would mock and beat him and turn him over to Pilate. And God would be crucified, and he would die, and he would be buried in a tomb. And according to that plan, he would rise on the third day, and his work would be completed. His resurrection would show us all that he holds in his hands the power of life and death. I have a plan. I have a plan for my day. I have a plan for my week. I plan out my month. It helps me get things done. It helps me stay focused. It helps me uh, to do what I need to do. But there's a higher plan. There is a higher plan that governs the little plans of my life. And my only hope is in aligning my life and my little plans with his big and ultimate plan. What about you? What does your schedule say? What does your life say? What do your plans and hopes and dreams and ambitions say about the plan you're aligned with? Is it a plan that is focused on power or wealth or fame or popularity or comfort? Or is it a plan that's focused on the call of God in your life and his desire for you? This gospel of Luke, this passage for today, challenges us that God has a plan. And sure, he's using here his son, But he asks and wants to use you and me as well to carry out his work in this world. Do we have room in our plan for his plan? Do we have room in our schedule for his schedule? And can we trust that God has our lives in his hands? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for being the God of grace and mercy, the one who who does have a plan and carried it out, Lord God. Your plan could not have been entrusted to any other person, Lord, but your son had to come and carry it out on our behalf. Lord God, you ask us and invite us to be a part of your plan, and we know, we know that we will fall short in this. No matter how much we desire to schedule and order our lives, And no matter how much we might yearn for our lives to be in alignment with yours, we know that we will fall short. And yet we ask, Lord God, that you would bless and multiply those things that we seek to do in your name. Lord, that you would fill in the gaps where we fall short. And that you, in your mercy and grace and love, Lord God, would reveal yourself in our lives and in this world. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for carrying out the plan on our behalf. And help us, Lord God, to trust in you, to share your hope and peace with others as well. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.